With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Ah, welcome back to Heard Tell. Okay, this is going to be fun. Uh, not because of the subject matter, which is serious and deep, but because of who's talking about it. A new guest, which is always fun to have on the show, a fresh face, if you will. Another of our great Young Voices contributors, Leslie Corbley, joining us from out. She Usually she's in Utah, but she migrated over to the East Coast temporarily. How are you, ma'am? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing fan- doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you being on the East Coast so don't have to worry about the time change because that's the first thing I was worried about because uh, I lived in Vegas and I still can't figure it out. Um, let's talk a little bit about warrants. You've been writing about them. Let's start big picture and then we'll dig down on this. Do we just need a different definition of warrant? Because I think the it's too big a term. It's too inclusive. And as we're rapidly finding out and as you've been writing about in places like Town Hall and elsewhere, we we've got situations that the current laws on the books for warrants just never even envisioned when it comes to things like the geofencing things like what is and isn't private information do you own your own name as we're seeing in things like college sports i think the term warrant we're going to need some different nomenclature somewhere in here just to get into this issue to start with aren't we well, part of the problem really is that the constitution has a a specific definition of warrant and I believe geofences, for example, are constitute general warrants. So there's a lack of particularity there. Um, There's no suspect, for instance, on the front end of those. When those warrants are issued, they are essentially fishing expeditions where law enforcement is seeking a cache of data for the purpose of identifying a suspect rather than having a suspect in mind and issuing a warrant on the, um, you know, that's specific to that individual. So there's that that issue, which I would argue is most is outside of the realm of constitutional um, definition of a warrant. I think I would call that a general warrant, which is actually what the Fourth Amendment was designed to protect against. And then you do also have um, the problem of scope of warrants in a digital context, which is really what I was trying to touch on in that article. Um, there's a lot of confusion about warrants out in the public right now, <laughs> given some of the news stories coming out. Uh, I think some of that comes down, frankly, to ignorance on the part of the media. Um, there's often conflating terms, uh, not being specific as to what you're discussing. And then, of course, there is the fact that constitutional jurisprudence, as it relates to the Fourth Amendment, has uh, evolved quite a bit over the past uh, you know, 50 or so years. And so you have that kind of confusing factor as well. But as it relates to the digital warrant problem, the scope of warrants in a digital digital context is that you don't have a physical space. Um, and I tried to touch on that in the article, you know, that in a physical space, you're to some degree bound by that, right? You walk into a home, you kind of know what the different rooms are for. If you're, I, I can't remember the exact, um, Example I gave in the article off the top of my head, but essentially, if you're looking for a bike, you wouldn't look in a a stolen bike, you wouldn't look in a desk drawer, right? I mean, you're kind of bound by that. In a digital context, you really don't have any of those typical barriers. And so, no, if you're law enforcement executing the warrant, it's it's almost as if you're you're going to kind of be more inclusive, right? You're going to pull more information, maybe than 
than in other contexts because it's all information, right? So it's almost more akin to classic warrants where you would be looking for, um, let's just hypothetically say child pornography where that could be stored almost anywhere in a home, right? And this is getting into because the physical entrances into the digital is part of the problem. You talk about the Eastman cell phone being seized. We saw the news story about the congressman from Pennsylvania getting his cell phone seized. The problem is a cell phone is not like a house where you can you can like you said, you use the example in the article. You have a rifle that's not in a kitchen drawer. OK, because <laughs> it physically can't get in there. You can you can. And we even saw it with like the Trump search warrant where they're supposed to go to certain rooms and there's this room and you can't go in this room and whatever. And w- people can hash that out later. You can't do that with a phone. You can't do that with a laptop. You can't do that with a thumb drive. So when you take somebody's cell phone, it's, I guess I theoretically you could say, well, you're not allowed to look in their. You can look in their photos, but you can't look in their download folder. I guess theoretically you can do that, but practically that's not the same thing. So the laws just haven't caught up to this stuff. Isn't that kind of the core of the problem we go in this? Is like there's still those physical barriers, but the information isn't physical. Yes, I mean it's 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 really difficult to apply even the best principles of law to this kind of a problem, because you run into situations where you look at a phone, for instance, and they're not organized the same. You know, you take my phone and you see how my apps are arranged and you look at your phone and you're not going to have the same, even the same nomenclature um, for how the apps are organized. And so if you're law enforcement and you have, like, let's say you have followed you have probable cause, you follow proper warrant protocols, and then you go to seize that device. How are you going to know to sort through what is and isn't relevant to your investigation, right? So it almost is as if you kind of have to be over, over-inclusive. It's, it's, it's not particularly easy to figure this out, which is why you see, um, it, it appears as though we're moving towards having having someone to review that, right? So in the case of Eastman, you're going to have potentially attorney-client privileged information on the device. And that, again, poses more problems because phones are multifunctional, right? They don't just store a lot of information, but they store a lot of information that is for a bunch of disparate purposes, right? So that, that also lends itself to kind of the problem that we're running into, which is that you're not going to have just one purpose for that device. Therefore, when it sees, you're going to, again, have more, far more information than you need. And in in many situations, a lot of information that you shouldn't have or, or has nothing to do with the investigation. is different. The investigations are different. So you go back a couple of years when this first kind of got in the news cycle, uh, the mass shooting in California, and they wanted to get into the iPhone and, and Apple resisted that and they it went to court and all that. 
So that's one piece. And then you have something like the Eastman thing where you have, you know, we, we, there was some kind of shenanigans. You can parse that out legally later, however you want to do it. So they want to see what's there. Well, you've got the information, but there is attorney-client privilege and there is personal information. So it gets complicated. The investigations aren't the same either. So now, you know, we have a lot of lawyers on this program to explain this stuff. They don't even agree on this stuff. We know there's malfeasance. We know that things get abused. We know that people's individual rights get trampled. But isn't it fair to, as a starting point to go, even if law enforcement is really, really trying, in this environment with the current laws, they don't even have a chance to try to do it the right way. And that's going to foster an environment for even more malfeasance, isn't it, if they don't get a handle on this? Yes, that's exactly like it, Zern, is that these are very complicated um, problems that we're facing in the, uh, the the judicial context as far as not only, as I mentioned earlier, are is a warrant valid? Have we met particularity? Are we perhaps out of bounds um, with that? But also, again, just that digital scope, the digital world presents very different problems than the physical world. And it's not remotely clear how to solve those problems. Um, I, we've talked about some of them that you you enter a device, you don't have a similar nomenclature where things are um, organized is going to be different. Law enforcement, again, if they're doing even if they're doing their best, certainly can't trust the individual that they're investigating, you know. If, for instance, if you were to limit it, oh, you can look at their emails, but not this other, um, you know, folder, it would be very easy for people to just transfer information from A to B to skirt um, investigations, right? So you're, you kind of have these inherent problems that come with the territory. I think it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, in some contexts, you have um, taint teams that review these documents, but uh, in a in a very polarized environment, I'm not convinced that particularly in these high profile cases that people are going to be particularly trust trusting of those who are um, engaged in the process. And that's very unfortunate because given the problems we have, I think it is very, very important for our leaders to foster trust. And instead, we're most certainly right now seeing the opposite of that, right? Uh, Things are very polarized, very um, driven by politics, which I think is 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 a problem in and of itself. Obviously, there's a lot of other problems that we could we could go down um, as far as you know the entire <laughs> you know concern. A lot of people have concerns that there's you know racial profiling. Others have concerns of political profiling. So it's just a highly polarized environment. And so these problems we're having that are are very inherent to just where we're at technologically certainly do not help with uh with sort of looking at the future and hoping for more clarity and uniformity in the way we handle these matters. Is there any way to get to uniformity though? I mean, what's the answer here? Because we're going to have to have, there's people are going to want an overriding law on this tech stuff and legal stuff. I don't think you can do an overriding law. Are we doomed to, um, are we doomed to failure by piecemeal advancement here? And that's a weird way to say it, but that feels like what's coming here. Is that the way it feels to you? I, th- I think we need a two-pronged approach. I think the first thing people need to understand, in my view, I do think to some degree this is a consumer problem. I think we've sort of, as a culture, slow walked into these issues by not really considering the potential costs of adopting very powerful technologies for multifunctional purposes without considering, again, the costs, right? We And that's not to say that we, that we shouldn't have phones or anything like that, but it is... Um, 
I think, something for people to consider of how they use their technology and how much information is stored where. I don't think these are considerations, for instance, that people have really been considering before some of these more very high profile scenarios occurred that kind of showed people what some problems look like, right? I would say probably five years ago, any of these warrant discussions would have been pretty obscure. And I think they're getting a lot more time in the in the limelight than they than they would have in other other years past. So I think one one thing certainly is to for for culture and individuals at an individual level of analysis to begin to consider how they want to use their devices, you know, what they want different devices to be for, so on and so forth. Um, and then as it relates to the legal side of things, I do think you're correct that one overarching law is not going to solve this problem. I think the um, judiciary is moving in the right direction, at least as far as it relates to um, having privacy rights and certain digital information. But as we all know, the judiciary moves notoriously slow. That's just how the process works. Um, it's part of it's, it's not a bad thing, by the way. I don't consider the speed of the judiciary to be a problem per se. You don't necessarily want your uh, justice system at the judicial level to be moving too quickly. That can also pose problems. So I do think the judiciary is is moving, has been showing signs of going in the right direction on these issues. But as it relates specifically to the scope of warrants in the digital context, that is going to be, a, um, I think, an area of difficulty for some time as we try to you know, as a society work out what that looks like, because I, you're right that there's no overarching law that's going to solve that problem, because it it really is a problem of the information being so easy to transition from point A to point B in a digital context, right, that limiting where um, law enforcement can look once they have probable cause to seize the device itself becomes very difficult to say you can't look in this folder. Right. And then there's the, also the issue of cloud. So, for instance, when you um, get into a device, can you only look at what is locally stored on that device or can you look at anything that is uploaded to the cloud? So those are other concerns that that kind of a limitation, I do think, is more more for I would say is more likely to occur than others. Um, once something is locally stored on the device, I, I don't see what's going to limit law enforcement from looking at that. Um, but as it relates to the cloud, you could potentially have a requirement for a separate warrant, right, to view what's in the cloud. Yeah, um, Leslie Corbley joining us. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk some of the details of that. That's the legal side of it. Let's talk. We get back. We're going to talk the political side of it, the practical side of it. At some point, you're going to have to put legislation to pen and ink. It's got to be in black and white. What's that got to look like? What should it look like? What are we afraid it might look like? We're going to get into all that. <laughs> Leslie Corbley joining us uh, on her tell right after this. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played.
Ah, welcome back to Hurt Tell. Uh, Leslie Corbley joining us. We have been talking about warrants, not the 80s band, the things that the uh, police can use to come and look through your stuff. There's some legal things involved in that you might have heard of. Folks aren't real sure where all the lines are that. We talked about the legal aspect. Let's talk about the political and the practical aspect for a second, because here's the problem. Um, anytime the technology or current events outruns the law, you've got to have new laws. Well, we know the court system is acting on this because they have to, because you go to court, both law enforcement and private citizens and advocacy groups, they're all using through the court system. That's one side of this. What's supposed to happen in the American system of governments is we go to our legislatures and we make laws about such things. I'm not super uh, enthusiastic that we're going to get good laws on this stuff anytime soon because, A, I've listened to some of these tech hearings. They have no idea what they're talking about. B, like you said, this is really complicated stuff, and we have a divided uh, legislative branch right now that's got other priorities. Is there anything on the horizon legislatively that might be looking to address this problem anytime soon? So one of the encouraging signs that um, we can point to is looking at states. So here in the state, well, here as an I work for the Libertas Institute, which is located in Lehigh, Utah right now, as you mentioned, I am temporarily on the East Coast. But uh, we have worked to pass laws in Utah that protect um, individual privacy rights, particularly as it relates to Fourth Amendment concerns. So that includes requiring a warrant before electronic information can be seized. Um, and then we are also currently really working on the issue of geofencing, wanting to ensure that general warrants are barred here in the 21st century, just as they were back um, at the founding of America. Right. So I think that there are some encouraging signs. Are, my hope is on the at the state level, you're likely to see more movement than at the federal, uh, which is unfortunate. But as you mentioned, the federal Congress is very divided. Um, very few laws get through Congress that aren't. Uh, heavily full of pork <laughs> kind of special interest groups that have gotten together and kind of poured everything in the kitchen sink into the bill. So it is very difficult to get movement at the federal level. Well, if we can't get the federal level, what about state level? Is there any movement now? Now, this is going to get complicated because, you know, they're going to go to court and try to get the federals anything they don't like at the state level. But, you know, these are supposed to be, you know, the the laboratories of democracy. What at the state level, because some of these states are actually taking some some initiative on some of these issues. Is that going to be a route to we can at least start getting some stuff moving and then maybe that'll kickstart the federal level? Sure. Some of the part of the problem here is that there are multiple um, concerns going on with privacy. So, for instance, there's like we mentioned, geofence, there's the digital scope of warrant. And then there's also things like genetic digital privacy um, is becoming a problem. So any anywhere that you have a large database. Um, of information you could think of as a sort of posing a risk uh so again in utah we have barred uh the we have we have ensured that the, we have a law on the books ensuring that there is a warrant requirement prior to to um law enforcement seeking to obtain you know any kind of electronic information from an electronic device so that is a good movement in the right direction i know that maryland passed a um genetic i want to say genetic data or genetic privacy bill. So that is related to DNA uh, and how you would obtain that. And several other states are making movement on privacy. I know Montana, for instance, is, is looking heavily at the facial recognition issue. So these issues are both ongoing and that the risks um, 
the risks don't just relate to one type of information. And so we're, it's going to be an ongoing process uh, to attempt to ensure that individuals maintain their privacy rights in the 21st century. I do think there's more movement, though, at the state level than there is at federal. Again, both for obvious reasons that federal is very polarized and also federal action is just very uncommon now. Um, you don't have the same if you look at the patterns of legislation, you don't have the same type of lawmaking now that you did, say, in like 1970. Well, because we don't have the technology in 1970, we don't have the government we had in 1970. Let's be real clear about that. We don't have the same culture and people we had in 1970. The other problem we have when you go to legislate this stuff, and we're seeing this in the tech hearings already, where they're talking about, well, we need to regulate Facebook and, and we need to regulate. Uh, we've had the court cases now where Alexa overhears crimes and things like this. The problem is like, well, they're talking about regulating Facebook. None of my kids do Facebook. Like Facebook is two technologies ago already. Like by the time they get around to regulating this stuff, we're already onto the new things. Isn't that going to be a problem with some of this technology with the warrants is by the time Congress dithers around for five or 10 years and writes a bill on something, we're already on to the next thing and it's just passes by again. Now, I know that's a recurring thing. You're never always going to have legislation catching up all the time. But when it comes to something like warrants where the armed enforcement wing of the government can come into your home or come into your private property or come into your life and really wreck some havoc, this is a big problem with a lot. And we've seen, unfortunately, societally, this has immediate ramifications. This isn't just, you know, talking about tax code where you might pay a little extra sometime next year. People can get hurt. People can lose their property. People can have their lives wrecked. I'm a little frustrated that there ain't a sense of urgency about this issue. Do you see any sense of urgency about it? Because there needs to be. I think that the lack of sense of urgency often relates to the fact that it's not, it's not a simple, easy soundbite type of an issue, right? Where you can get uh, kind of an easy political win, so to speak, um, which is unfortunate. As far as something that I think would be helpful for your listeners to know, though, I, there's no requirement, like you mentioned, regulating Facebook, there's no requirement for individuals to work with, with social media companies or other tech um, and communications companies that they don't trust. And I do think we need to encourage individuals to be much more cautious with whom they do business um, in, in our current era, right? If the law, If law enforcement, for instance, goes to I hypothetically Snapchat and you've never had a Snapchat account, there's nothing for them to hand over. Right. Um, and so that relates to uh, the third party doctrine. I know we've kind of moved into the political discussion rather than legal, but the third party doctrine makes it much, much easier for law enforcement to access information from um, entities like tech companies that uh, individuals have given information over to them. So essentially the third party doctrine says that once you've handed over uh, any some information to a third party entity, you no longer have a reasonable expectation of privacy in that information. And therefore, um, you know, it's easier for law enforcement to obtain. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons, for instance, in Utah, that we passed a bill requiring a warrant before obtaining electronic information, because obviously in the digital age, pretty much everything is done through a third party, right? It's not like um, 1960s and 70s when some of these lines of cases came out where you know, very much less, much, a much smaller amount of information was handed over to a third party, right? So again, that that relates, I know, to the legal, but it is important for people to understand that because if you know that, I think it makes it easier for you as an individual to say, huh, I know I would really like to know, company, what your policies are, what, for instance, what data do you obtain on me? Like, what, what data do you 
first gather uh, because not if, for instance, with geofences, if Google didn't gather your location data, they wouldn't have that to hand over to law enforcement. Now, obviously they do, but that's that the point is for individuals to know it is within their power to ask these questions before they can track. Okay. I kind of want to know what, what data you collect. How do you just store it? How long do you store different data points? Right. So that you can kind of assess uh, your individual risk, because I don't think a lot of people are thinking of this as a risk calculation, but it really is because the reality of the situation is that once you are engaging in any kind of conduct on these platforms, you don't really necessarily have control over where that information goes. calculation the, the reason the risk calculation is all screwed up is because people don't understand their rights and you ended your piece with this and this is a good way to kind of dovetail this down a little bit law enforcement doesn't know the boundaries on this individual people don't know the boundaries on this companies don't know the boundaries on this everybody's uncertain and as you said in your piece you know everybody law enforcement defendants alike are swimming in a sea of uncertainty that's a recipe for disaster when we're talking culture and politics we want to talk about you know the the policies and whatever the hottest thing going on that is going and the, and the horse race politics and the culture politics this is stuff that can affect your everyday life because the part of the government the most people interact with is not a politician it's law enforcement this is the stuff we should really be focusing on and like you said when there's uncertainty that breeds all kinds of bad things happening and we've seen the viral videos of what happens when law enforcement doesn't know what to do with certain defendants how do we get certainty in this? Is it going to be a policy fix? Is it going to be a cultural fix where people just start taking their own responsibility for their data? Is it a technology fix where they figure out a better way to individualize, for lack of a better term, but when it comes to privacy, that's what the argument is. What's the path forward, do you think? And I know it's going to be a ratio of some of those combined, but give us a couple of things you think of. I definitely think it's going to be a combination. I think at the individual level, we really need to start. I think there needs to be good messaging. And it's something I I will be working on is uh, to ensure that people understand the risks associated with different data points. Right. So let's take a geofence warrant, for instance, where it's a reverse warrant, meaning they're seeking caches of data that has already been collected by a tech company. Um, there is already there's been the first litigation case initiated in relation to keyword search history, which can operate in the same manner. You know, tech company hand over all searches from, you know, of certain terms or certain terms combined. It could look differently depending on what the what law enforcement is asking for. But the point being that initially law enforcement obtains an anonymized data in relation to these to these requests and then eventually it moves to an unmasking process so i do think individuals need to understand that not to be overly concerned of law enforcement but to understand that if you're if you're operating in society now you don't necessarily have control over company policies over how easy it is for law enforcement to access data from company x you know and so you want to know am i willing to take to accept to take on this risk, right, of having this specific data point um, collected and stored. 
right? So for instance, it recently, there was a recent CNN article that, that discussed how uh, wireless companies also store uh, location data for months and at times years. So th there's all these data points out there and they're stored in these large databases. So I think that there's an individual aspect um, that can give that can push the needle in the right direction. I think that also, by the way, can relate hopefully to the marketplace in the sense that companies that value privacy and value data minimization, which essentially means minimizing the number of data sets you collect information on, and therefore there's less information for you to ever hand over uh, hypothetically, right? I think that that individuals valuing their privacy and saying, hmm, I'm not sure I want to work with companies that collect data in certain ways, so on and so forth, can push the marketplace towards um, towards favorability for companies who do truly value privacy and are able to deliver that to their co to consumers. So I think that's piece of the puzzle. I think policy um, is also a piece of that puzzle. Uh, for instance, the work we've done in Utah to ensure warrant requirements are strong for electronic data is important. And we do think that the law needs to change in relation to geofence warrants and other reverse warrants where law enforcement is seeking information that, um, again, these caches of data and the whole point is to, to find a suspect. You don't have a suspect on the front end when you do a geofence uh, warrant. The whole point is to get a cache of data and then you sift through it for relevance. And it's generally a three-step process that ends in unmasking. Uh, and I don't, don't think that that kind of a process is going to elicit a lot of trust from individuals right now. Again, you have a lot of people in different factions of American society that are very concerned with different types of biases that they believe are influencing uh, individuals who in powerful positions, including law enforcement. And that's just the reality on the ground. And again, I do think it's very important for individuals to understand that, that they can have control over their risk profile. Because the, yeah. it's going to be a, a both and approach of policy and culture. And I would also hope business practice comes into play. Yeah, we're doing a lot of wishing and hoping and we don't have a lot of faith that this is going to get better anytime soon. So we're going to keep talking to, to folks like Leslie about it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let folks know where they can keep up with you, what you've got going on, where they can follow you till we get you back on her tell to keep talking about this because this isn't going away. This is this is going to be the the issue in privacy rights and law for the foreseeable future. So let folks know where they can keep up with you talking about it till we get you back to talk about it with us. Sure. So I work with the Libertas Institute. I also have my um, own website. It's just my name, lesliecorbley.com. I host all of my articles there. It's a, it's a good hub just for my content. And then um, I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter for now. Uh, in the future, I will likely add some other platforms to that. But right now I'm on Twitter at Corbley Leslie and also on LinkedIn folks can go in there and follow along. And I post all my content on, on those platforms. Yep. We'll link to all of that. You can see her Twitter on the screen there. If you're watching on the YouTube channels and we greatly appreciate your time, Leslie Corbley, uh, love the talk, appreciate the information and we will talk again real, real soon. My friend, thank you for the time today. Thank you. Yes, ma'am.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.